0: Welcome to episode 7 of season 2 of the Property 3.0 podcast. In this episode, we'll be tackling a big question. What will AI do to our jobs in real estate? If you've been thinking this, you are not alone. In fact, The Economist reports that global Google searches for is my job safe have doubled in recent months. It's clearly big in people's minds since the launch of ChatGPT, which has introduced a completely new way for us to interact with computers and an apparent completely new level of computer understanding and human level, if not superior, outputs. And then this week, on top of all of that, and we're talking early in August 2023, JLL have announced an internal JLL GPT. No doubt putting a little bit more fuel on the fire for the real estate people thinking about how AI is going to affect their jobs. So to be honest, I'm really excited by this JLL announcement because I think on the whole, AI will help smaller firms more so than the big ones. But the access to data is one edge that the big firms really do have to train large language models. So I'm delighted to hear that JLL are embracing this so to consider the impact that ai will have on jobs i'm going to do two things firstly i'm going to break down some of the big headlines that we've heard over the last few months because there have been a lot of very scary ones so things such as goldman sachs predict that 300 million jobs will be lost to ai so i'm going to explain some of the nuance behind these headlines and secondly i'm gonna turn the lens on myself and look at some of the work that i do in the real estate arena my day-to-day tasks and examine the areas that I think I will be vulnerable to AI. And I hope that by using myself as an example, I can give you some frameworks to think about which parts of your own job might be vulnerable and how to make yourself more resilient and employable. Now, one thing before we begin, I need to make a ginormous caveat, which is that no one, not anybody at this point can accurately predict what is going to happen to jobs in the face of AI. If anyone tells you that definitively AI will reduce jobs by this amount or AI will definitely increase jobs by this percentage, feel free to politely ignore them. So why can no one predict the impact that AI will truly have? It's because innovation doesn't happen in a linear form. I won't get bogged down into this because obviously this is a job for an economist, or for me, a really simple way to think about it is that the countries today with the highest level of automation, so places like Japan, South Korea, Singapore, they also have consistently low unemployment. So it's simply not the case that higher automation leads to unemployment. And of course, if you think about, you know, what was the internet when it started, it was just a file transfer system between government departments. I don't think anyone could have predicted the industries that have developed From it, just one simple example, the Internet led to social media and that led to influencers. And Forbes recently reported that there are now 50 million influencers in the world and millions of these are making full time incomes, sometimes very lucrative incomes. Now, the risk with AI is that it may not actually grow the economy. So, Kevin Ruse, who is an author who writes really well on AI, I recommend following him, he presents the risk of what he calls the boring bot. So, if it just takes away the old work, but isn't good enough to actually help our economies grow, then indeed we will be in a problematic world. So, a, a simple example he uses is of self checkouts in grocery shops. So, realistically, self checkouts don't actually ad- increase the amount of food a shop sells. Generally it just means that fewer humans are needed to sell that food and therefore the overall cost to the company is reduced. So when thinking about AI these are the kind of things we need to watch out for and we need to do our best to help build and support technologies that are helping our whole economy grow and not simply creating a pretty poor substitute for a human. So just to recap this little caveat, I do not believe that anyone can predict what will actually happen to jobs, and so you should be highly sceptical of anyone who tells you that they can. What we can do is understand the implications of AI better and prepare ourselves to adapt, and that is what I aim to help you do in this episode. Right, so let's firstly look at the news. There have been a lot of sensationalist headlines in the first half of 2023. There's been lots of this many jobs are going to be taken by AI, AI leaders are about humanity being made extinct by AI. And the first thing I would say, which is a kind of ironical point, is that the algorithms running our newsfeed. Are optimised for engagement, which means that these dramatic headlines are going to spread much faster. And the irony there is that these are driven by machine learning models behind the scenes so it should be no surprise to anyone that there will be more articles which take very blunt headlines and instill fear in people because they will spread faster but what is beneath those headlines so two of the biggest reports that have been quoted a huge amount firstly was one by Goldman Sachs which said that 300 million jobs would be lost to AI and secondly, was a research paper by OpenAI, which is obviously the creator of ChatGPT, saying that uh, almost 20% of workers may see at least 50% of their tasks done by machines. Now, again, those are great headlines, and they are based on the, on the research. But if you actually read the articles, the papers, you'll see there's much more behind them. So let's start with the Goldman Sachs article. The exact words that they use in the Goldman Sachs paper is we find that roughly two thirds of current jobs are exposed to some degree of AI automation and that generative AI could substitute up to one fourth of current work. Extrapolating our estimates globally suggests that generative AI could expose the equivalent of 300 million full time jobs to automation. Right, so that is what Goldman Sachs said. Let's break that down. The key word here is extrapolating. So they are not actually saying that 300 million people will be out of work, out on the streets, unable to pay their bills. But obviously, a headline saying that Goldman Sachs say that 300 million jobs will be lost is far more compelling than this slightly more nuanced uh, story. So what the research are actually saying, what they did, So they looked at things like analysing data, monitoring processes, planning priorities, industry agnostic tasks that anyone might do throughout the course of the day. They then looked at a scale for each of these things. So let's say analysing data, there might be a really easy job is to skim a short article and understand the main message. That would be a kind of difficulty one. Most people could do that in just a few seconds. And the most complex would be a difficulty seven. And the example that they gave would be analysing the cost of all medical services across all hospitals in the USA. So a job which would require compiling data from loads of different sources, no doubt with lots of different metrics, which would need a lot of cleansing, a lot of understanding of the nuance between them. And that would be a seven on their scale. And they say anything up to a four they reckon can be done by AI or will be able to be done by AI. So that's how they analyse. And through this process, they conclude that for two thirds of jobs, 25 to 50 percent of the tasks that those jobs do could be automated. Now, obviously, if four people each have their job tasks reduced by 25 percent, that doesn't just mean that one of those individuals isn't needed anymore. The parts that are getting automated for you and your colleague would be the, the same, let's say, reading through a PDF to extracting the critical points there's not really one person or that there shouldn't be many people's jobs for whom that is their whole job so that's why the 300 million statistic is very misleading in the report goldman sachs do say that most jobs are only partly automatable and they believe that that means that ai really should complement rather than substitute jobs having said that This 25% is far too big a proportion to ignore, which is why we need to be understanding and educating ourselves about the potential impact of AI. Now, moving on to OpenAI's paper, their paper was titled, Are GPTs GPTs? So (laughs) what this title means is, are generative pre-trained transformers, i.e. things like ChatGPT, are they general purpose technologies. That's why we've got the GPT. GPT. Now, what's a general purpose technology? A general purpose technology is something like the printing press, the steam engine. They are characterized by widespread proliferation, continuous improvement, and the generation of complementary innovations. In this report, they say that for general purpose technologies, their far-reaching consequences unfold over decades and therefore are very difficult to anticipate, particularly in relation to labour demand. So this is my point. Even the organisation that has founded ChatGPT is saying at this point that they cannot predict what impact their tools are going to have on the labour market. So if they can't predict it, then I don't think anyone else really can. So in this report, they go on to say that to realise the full potential of a new general purpose technology. So just again, think about something like the the steam train, it requires extensive co invention. And this is the point that really excites me. It's the potential for new businesses to be created that are built on top of the large language models. So a really simple example is that all the image generation tools that we're seeing, so things like Midjourney, they are built upon language models. So that then feeds into a text image converter. And then on top of those, we are starting to see some really cool tools emerge. So things called Sketch to Render. So when you could sketch a building, this is really quite exciting for architects, where you can sketch a building or an interior and this, again, is built upon a large language model, and it converts it to an image, but the image is controlled in part by the sketch that you've drawn. So whereas, uh, God, it's moving so fast, six months ago with my journey, it just generates a picture, there are now starting to be tools that you can actually direct that image generation so that you're rendering a building to a sketch that you have drawn. So within less than a year, we have seen this potential of LLMs to create new businesses. So there are hundreds of thousands of different applications and different businesses that are being created that are using large language models. So I think the proposition that generative pre-trained transformers are general purpose technologies is already proving to be highly likely. So in the OpenAI research, they conclude that around 80% of the U.S. workforce could have at least 10% of their work tasks affected. And they rather euphemistically, when they say affected, they mean done by by LLMs. And that up to 20% of workers may see at least 50% of their tasks, again, they use the word impacted, but i.e. done by large language models. But again, like the Goldman Sachs report, they say that it would be very rare to find any occupation for which AI tools could do nearly all of the work. So people's productivity should increase and you may need to employ fewer people, but at least at this point, humans will still be required. And then leading on from that, even if individual businesses are employing fewer people, if GPTs are general purpose technologies, we can look to the past where all other general purpose technologies have spawned huge industries, growth, increases in lifestyle, healthcare, employment. Therefore, I cautiously, optimistically conclude that if it is the case that GPTs are general purpose technologies, then there will be many more ways for people to be employed. So bringing these two papers together, what do they mean? The vast majority of people will find some of their existing workload can be done better by AI. But there are very few roles which will be able to be fully replaced currently by AI. Now, when we talk about AI being able to do some of our tasks, for me at the moment, I don't find that terrifying. I look at my own workload and the workload of the people that I work with. In the last month alone, I've had weekend emails or really late night work emails, midnight or later, from architects, from project managers, from cost consultants. I myself often work 12 hour plus days. And I don't analyse the work that I'm doing that closely. But I know for me that a lot of the work that I'm spending hours on It is processing, it's formatting, it's collating information. It's not actually generating a huge amount of value. I'm just doing the work that needs to be done. So I believe, and this is purely my speculation from my personal experience, I believe that in our industry, a lot of us could actually do with having our job tasks decreased by 10 or 20%. And of course, when was the last time that you chatted to someone About the work they had to do, and they said, Yeah, do you know what? I've got a really good level of work, I've got a really nice work-life balance at the moment, I feel really fulfilled, I'm doing really interesting work, I don't have to do many boring tasks. In my experience, that doesn't happen, and I'm I cautiously optimistic that AI will help us do, do this. Now, of course, the rebuttal to this my utopia where everyone has 10 or 20% less tedious work to do, is that, well, that just means that 10 or 20% of the day will get taken up with new work, and that will reduce the total amount of work available for other people to do. But my rebuttal back to that, and just thinking about my own experience in the context of real estate development, is that it is currently a painfully slow process. And It does need to take time because developing buildings, we're creating places, it's important. A lot of thought needs to go into it. A lot of people do need to be involved. But I honestly believe that we are a long way from being at full capacity. If we simply look at the sheer demand for housing we have, we are not building homes fast enough in the UK. So maybe if the processes can all speed up at least to some degree, then we'll be able to build better buildings more quickly and if we're thinking about the financial implications of that we all know in real estate development that the time period is a, is a really important factor because the longer you hold a building the higher your, your finance costs and obviously finance costs are hugely increased at the moment so if you can reduce your period from buying a site to getting on site to to start delivering that by you know months or maybe even years there could be a very significant financial benefit another point is that again for me personally i know that on the weeks that i'm working 12 hour plus days i am sure i am not as productive per hour than i am on other weeks and I'm sure that this goes for other people. So if AI can help us reduce our total work volume, then we should have more time to rest, reset, and think more clearly to be particularly innovative and thoughtful the rest of the time. Right, so now I'm going to move on to talk about some of my personal areas of vulnerability to tech. So a good concept, again, I refer back to Kevin Ruse, who's who wrote Future Proof and he asks us to think am i an endpoint so what is an endpoint in computing an endpoint is when data is moved from one application to another so in many real estate roles in my experience i'm collating information from one place and sending it on to someone else somewhere else if this is all you are doing then you are vulnerable to ai so you've got to think where am i just moving information from one place to another And where am I actually adding value? So let's take my role as a development manager as an example. I believe in this role I am the ultimate endpoint. So let's take the example of working through a feasibility study. So in that role, a development manager is collecting information from a number of different sources. So I'll get inputs from the architects, the drawings of a building, the cost consultants give their costs, the engineers give their required loadings the planners give their views on what's acceptable within the planning context the agents give their rents and then i combine all of that information together to create a financial model so why is this job done by a human now at the moment all of those inputs from all of those different advisors comes in very disparate forms that don't speak to one another so the architects issue drawings in a pdf give their sizes in square meters the cost consultants issue in a different pdf and you know their cost might be for the whole site instead of broken down per building an agent will give values for a building in square feet and they might give the different rental levels for each different floor but we might not have the costs per floor say the planner probably gives their advice in a written statement so at the moment we don't have any good computer tools that can get all of this information from all of their different sources in different formats, from Excel files, from emails, from word reports, from square meters, from square feet, the whole site versus specific building versus single floors. We can't. We don't currently have a computer program that can do all of those. Can synthesize all of that information, but a human can. But with the tool, tools we are starting to see, you can see that it shouldn't take that much. You know, a PDF scraper that can understand the difference between square meters and square feet and can convert all of that into Excel. And even, you know, you can you could start to train a model to recognize the difference between GIA and GEA and NIA. And so to me, it doesn't seem like it should be that many steps away that a computer could do the majority of that work. And maybe I would just need to oversee it. but in the long term, what's the computer, you know, what's to stop having a computer program where the architect feeds in the agent feeds in the cost consultants feed in and the DM is kind of not needed anymore. That to me is the example of a job, which is an endpoint, which could be replaced by AI. So I've got to think in that scenario scenario, where can I add value? Where I believe and hope that I do currently (laughs) add value and will continue to be able to be relevant and employable is in interrogating the inputs from all the other sources with the ultimate goal in mind. For example, and by the way, I am making huge generalisations here, I have in the past worked on projects where an architect might draw a beautiful building, but it might not always be the most commercially viable. And so in that scenario, a good DM will be will be able to work with the architect and the agents together to balance those two things to balance the, the architectural merit, and the commerciality to produce something that is both financially value viable, and also a really good building that sits well in its context. If your development manager is just an endpoint, they'll just take the building designed by the architect, ask the agent to price it, and then that's the end of the conversation. That's kind of the type of role that the type of DM that could get replaced by computers. And then another way, of course, that a DM adds value is by balancing all the goals of the different stakeholders. So I think when we're kind of in this tech world, we sometimes can believe that. There is one best solution and the computers will show us the best solution. But obviously in any building design, there are a million different iterations that could possibly work. So even when all these inputs will speak to each other coherently, it won't be a case of just pressing a button and voila, you have a building. Because it depends on the aims of The landowner, the operator, the customers, the investor, the local authority, the people who will be spending time around this building. And the role of a good DM there is to balance all of those stakeholders and to make sure that the building produced is one that works well, in theory, for all of of them. Just as an aside, my utopia... (laughs) When it comes to development, is that actually, because AI will be able to show us many different options much more quickly, we will be better at designing buildings that really fulfill the demands of all those stakeholders because I do believe thus far we often have prioritized the financial returns, the immediate financial returns of the developer, sometimes in some cases at the cost of let's say the the wider community so i hope that ai will help us see more options but ultimately a human will still have to decide what we will actually build what are the skills to add value to me it is really critical thinking and decision making one major problem with generative ai is that suddenly producing a long report or a blog or writing a podcast, all of this becomes much easier, much quicker. What is harder to do is to digest, to distill the truly important and relevant content and deliver that to the right person at the right time. And it's those kind of critical analysis skills that will increase in value over time. So my conclusion for this rather chunky episode is that whilst we can expect, and and hope, I would say, to have some of our job tasks done by AI, there are relatively few roles where AI can make the whole job obsolete at the moment. The GPTs, so chat GPT, the large language models, are likely to be a general purpose technology. So that is like the printing press or the steam train. This means many new businesses and innovations will grow from them, but it's very hard to say at this stage what they will be and how they will affect our labour market. Historically, general purpose technologies have tended to grow economies and overall improve quality and length of life. But we cannot say for certain at this point that, that will happen with, with AI. So what can you do in your job today to make yourself more resilient? Think about the areas where you are just collating information and sending it on to someone else or just producing text, reports, presentations. When you're doing that, think what value am I actually adding here? Don't be an endpoint. Don't just take information from one place and kick it out somewhere else without truly thinking about it and analysing that information. And hone your decision making skills. In a world where we have more information and more content, the human ability to critically analyze that content and make recommendations and decisions will be increasingly powerful. Right. There we have it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Property 3.0 podcast. I look forward to talking with you next time.